the season is a couple weeks old and you are settling in for the long haul. That means it's time to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride it till I can no more. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only only fantasy baseball podcast where Rob sings that song. Uh, it's not just <laughs> the Lionel de Shields that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs, and joining me again this evening is Robbie Baseball. Good evening, Tyler. Uh, yeah, Robbie cracked out the uh, the vocals tonight a little bit, kind of maybe. And, Definitely. Uh, I'm preparing for a potential karaoke appearance one week from tonight. Well, and, and the, the, the listeners don't quite have the, the show prep, right? So the, the tip of the teeth, the teeth, the tongue, or whatever the, the, the letter Kenny line is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you got for a, a beer going uh, this evening, Robert? I'm, I'm rocking one of my favorite breweries out of Toronto, uh, Amsterdam, the Blonde Lager, which I have actually never had, so I'm kind of excited. Very nice. I'm taking a very, um, like almost a microbrew beer from a company that not a lot of people know about called Labatt. And I am drinking a blue. <laughs> that is what it's called. Now, if you're in Michigan, you're going to say, uh, Rob, I believe that's just called Labatt's. <laughs> and you have no other recollection of the fact that they are a conglomerate company. You're just going to say, I'll have a Labatt's for the waitress that's making three forty an hour. Um, <laughs> but that's what I'm going with tonight. I'm going generic because that's kind of the reception we got for the um, mailbag, the ball bag, the yet to be determined title for this special show that we're going to be doing. For time time. I like the Luke Maley bag. Uh, still. It's not sticking. <laughs> it's not sticking. I know. <laughs> stretch. It's got a stretch though. Gotta, Maybe um, when the weather warms up, it'll be a little, little have a little more tack to it, it could stick a little better that's, that's possible I, i'm that's what i'm most excited for for baseball season i had bp this week uh with my my over 30 team and i got the old uh boy that must have sounded good I, oh you know what it actually <laughs> did i was quite surprised um i still can't hit a curveball i'm like serrano um but the fastball i like very much and you know ultimately it was coming off nice but that's about it so um but the point i was trying to make is i i rock the all nude bats like straight just wood all the way so oh you um, like a good hardwood do you that's right yes and have you ever seen the um, the domingo ayala guy yes i have yeah yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> yeah so you know where i'm going with that on them yeah <laughs> and so uh ultimately that's what i love spending some of my game prep on is the amount of pine tar on the bat and making it just right um, up into the handle without crossing the George Brett barrier. Well, I never understood how when Michael Pineda got busted for the pine tar on the back of the neck, how that didn't become the biggest thing ever because I remember hearing it and hearing somebody saying, 
pine tar panada. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just to get back to more karaoke, you know, pine tar panada. I need a pine tar panada. Nobody can see my dancing, but it's, it's great. Uh, my dance moves flawless uh, just as much as I'm on point on pitch here. Uh, but I, yeah, like the, the pine tar thing, I don't know at what point that would be optimal other than the, like the heat of the summer when it's, it's obvious, but like when pitchers start to, or hitter, whoever is starting to use that stuff, I'm just wondering like, do you need it to be above a certain degree? No, it, it's, it's really just a tactile thing, right? It's just a grip point, right? So when it comes to the bat, like, you don't, it's like a golf club. You don't want to squeeze too tight, right? You want just the right amount so that, you know, the bat axe is more of a whip out of your hands. So the tire allows you to have that looser grip without giving up, you know, control of that bat. And so, so I see so many guys throw their bats into the stands. They didn't do a very good job with their pine tire. That was like a Edwin Encarnacion staple. Oh, big time. Throwing the bat thing. And everybody was like, he's just lunging at the ball. And I remember thinking, yeah, sure, he's lunging, but other guys lunge and they hold on to their damn bats. Like, what's he doing wrong? And yeah. somebody had said his gloves must be the issue. But as you're saying, you know, if there's nothing helping to keep it tactile, maybe those were favorite gloves instead of like premium gloves that were actually helping them. Yeah, and once you're on a roll too, like baseball, you you don't change things. Like, don't ever change things, right? So you don't touch Joe Boo's rum. It's very bad. And so, you know, that's ultimately where it comes in into play but um yeah i have one bat that's still a little fresh and it doesn't have the tire so i'm looking forward to getting out into the field and actually tiring it up pretty good so listen can you hear this no that's that's a wood bat no my friend that is oh, an oh. Easton, that Easton is so cool that it was made when wood <laughs> i got this for like my 15th birthday oh. and i am gonna give this to my boy for his 15th birthday that's the kind of bat that you see at truck stops when they hit their tires. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what this thing's been reduced to home security. <laughs> but I tell you, I've had fun. I brought it when I played uh, co ed softball a couple of years ago with my wife and a bunch of our friends. Um, uh, shout out McLovin. Um, we, we use this bat for a game as a joke. And then my one buddy brought out like a proper softball bat. And I remember swinging so hard because it was so light. I'm like, this is like cheating, you know? And like, I don't have to go off topic quickly. I don't have new hockey sticks. I, I do have like a graphite style stick. I did not spend the 300 plus dollars on it. And it's the same with bats and stuff. I just, I enjoy the, the classic, the fact that my stuff is old and heavy. So when I do connect, it feels good. But uh, man, that new technology, there's something about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing what they can do today makes all of us better athletes, which we're all a fan of. Yeah, and, and wanting to get better at fantasy, we can transition as smoothly as that right into the Luke mailbag. Yes, it's Never officially so. sticking. <laughs> the only thing that's not good are the sound effects. Yeah, we're going to work on that. <laughs> I, I have them, but only I can hear them on my side. So as we progress, we'll have some fun stuff. Right, yeah. So do you want me to dive right in? Yeah, let's let's open the first envelope. The first one is my my favorite as it was written. So um, this is uh, Cody from Indianapolis, longtime listener, first time caller. Thanks. <laughs> He'd like to hear our opinions on the evolution of dynasty and keeper leagues, and if we feel that fantasy baseball as a whole is trending in that direction. So he's referring to versus a redraft league. So well, it's a really good question, Cody. Yeah. Um, 
you know, appreciate you being such a supporter of the show and, uh, you know, appreciate you getting the first question off, uh, off for us. But anyway, diving in, I, I think the value to the dynasty format is information, right? As, as baseball has become an informational sport, uh, we can thank, uh, Bill James for that, that, you know, it's really expanded the reaches, uh, of what we can accomplish. And, you know, technology has obviously made it easier as well. I mean, there's lots of, of guys like, you know, Rob, you're a great example of a guy that's come on in the last 10 years to go from not really playing any fancy to being a guy that is totally ingrained. And we have a couple of those guys in our home league, uh, you know, that have really gotten hooked up to it. And that's because information has made it easier. Um, and then yeah, you can become of that, a fan of baseball instead of just your home team. Like as much as I always knew about the Jays, like in 2005, I was working at a pro shop in Calgary. And because of the time difference, we were really slow at 7 p.m. Eastern time, which is when the Jays games were starting. I got to watch a ton of Jays baseball, but it was just the Jays because I wasn't able to access all of the information that's now available across all walks. So I always played in like a single league or two. And as I'd mentioned before, if things weren't going my way, you know, you'd stop paying attention nearly as much. And it's as if I was a roto player. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> love it so yeah i mean it's ultimately i think the the we're just scratching the surface of fantasy baseball in my opinion i think you know there's going to be obvious limitations for semi-baseball fans or guys that just like to do it to play against their buddies and brag and aren't really you know diehard fans but i do think at the highest levels uh 30 team type leagues i think that's where the expansion is and i think you've started to see it um with some of the national organizations that have started to pop up where guys are flying across the country to play in these massive, um, you know, formats and yeah, all wars, NFBC guy, like you just said, Ty, like guys are showing up paying 2,500 bucks to be in a redraft league. And guys are also doing the same thing in keeper dynasty leagues. And yeah, it's huge now. Well, and I mean the, the, the digital format and the content generation and all that stuff that's part of the media today is really pulling back the curtains on some of the stuff. Whereas you know, a friends and family league at ESPN was always, hey, here's our draft results. Watch us do things, right? And that's why ESPN's failing um, because they didn't see these the, the needs of the consumer. And, you know, as everyone kind of reaches out and the ability to create new tech uh, becomes easier, people are starting to evolve old tech. Uh, and fantasy baseball is one of those sports that was built on old tech. So, you know, as that continues to happen, the information continues to get better. And the stats that Major League Baseball is tracking continue to evolve. Um, we'll continue to see the, the the fantasy baseball, you know, landscape shift uh, to a more intense user at its highest levels. Yeah, I think overall the dynasty, like at this moment in time, I would say the dynasty format is far more of a niche than it is the mainstream. But if you listen to multiple different podcasts, uh, fantasy related, you're in a niche market already. So if you're listening to us, you're in a niche market where you want to know more about dynasty format. Um, we discuss redraft, but we want everyone to be building for years to come, not weeks to come. Uh, but we also keep a focus on what's happening, you know, week to week. So for, for us, we think this is the way it should be going because we're passionate about it. And as Ty had mentioned about guys who, have a casual interest and stuff. That's great. But I mean, we play in a league where there are guys with casual interest and it's a keeper league. And that allows you the best of both worlds where you can pay attention when you want. You can 
have your guys that you just homer out with, whether it's a player, you know, you, you played against at a level or you watched at a certain level. Like if you live close to minor league affiliates, like that stuff's awesome. I paid the extra uh, 25 bucks to get MLB, MILB TV um, in addition to getting MLB TV uh, when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, Ty, and, and I can't watch live games, but I can watch every um, post game and go back and see what was going on. So if I noticed that something interesting happened and, you know, whatever the, I can't remember what the name of the team that there are, the crawdads. Uh, but, you know, if I see something goes on, I can go back and watch that game. That's amazing information that I can now take in because I cannot just look at a stat line anymore. I can scout from my couch. Yeah. And like, it's a legitimate form. I'm listening to the broadcast. So the, these guys know them inside out and backwards. So the information is everywhere for, for those who seek it. And I think it's become far more user-friendly for people who are more casual. You know, Fantrax does a great job of giving you basically a scouting. You click on a player, you can get an immediate report as to what's going on within the last week of them. They can give you long-term outlooks. You can go to rosterresource.com. Uh, who we referenced a lot in the off season, they can give you an idea of what the organization's looking at. So you don't have to put in hours and hours and hours to get all of the information you need if you want to just target a few players and then kind of learn as you go. But if you want to, if you want to really like, in, to me, enjoy the season, you don't want Mike Clevenger's injury to cost you a shot at your season and whatever amount of money you did or didn't play for. Um, I think it's it's important to always have an eye to the future. And that's why I think, to me, dynasty keeper formats are definitely the way to go. I dropped out of, I think, all but one redraft league this year. Yeah, I mean, for me, re- redraft, you just, it becomes about four teams at some point, right? And that's the issue, is that you lose interest. That's the beauty of dynasty. If you've got a league that is committed and there's not a ton of turnover, whether that's 10 teams or 30 teams, that's what makes dynasty better because uh, ultimately they're committed. There's year over year stuff. There's long-term, you know, chirp, chirp fests going back and forth. Um, but ultimately you can, can invest into young players, uh, which makes winning with those long-term agendas that much better. So, you know, I just think it's a whole different, um, you know, euphoria, if you will, uh, of, of winning because there's a lot more work that goes into it. But um you know, everyone else is competing that same way. There's a little more passion. That's what I like about it. Yeah, right on point with that. So hope, hopefully, Cody, that gave you enough uh, information to work from. I know you play, I think Cody's in two leagues um, that we're in together. And, and he... Um, ooh, ooh. Oh, oh, new beer. Oh, hello. There's <laughs> oh, more of the same good brew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. don't you know. Nice. Oh, bring in the Canadian accent, <laughs> don't you know. Or is that North Dakota slash Ireland? <laughs> is my sniffly nose just throwing the accents that's, tonight? That's all, that's all diversity, man. That's what Canada is about. <laughs> the melting Shit, pot. It's all about love up here. So anyway. Um, on to Cody's next question. He had a quick follow-up of something he wanted us to, to do. Are you good on fantasy? I'm, I am complete out of answers on that question. Perfect. So before we circle on that one, we'll head off to his second, which was a uh, He'd like to hear our opinions on Kimbrel and Keichel from a fantasy perspective. Are we to be looking at buy low or stay away? See, for me, I'm, I'm out of bullpens all the time. So I never draft heavy in the bullpen. So for me, I look at Kimbrel as an option to buy low um, at this point, because usually I try to get into the bullpen game. I just usually do it via trade later in the year. 
Um, so yeah, I, I like Kimbrell as a buy low if somebody doesn't want to wait him out. The the problem that's going to happen here is Kimbrell's going to come in on a one year deal, um, and so that's a little scary because uh, he's he may or may not give it everything, um, and or if he's got a little bit of an injury, he's going to pull it back. He might have some time off to make sure he doesn't damage his potential at contract the following year. So there's a lot of risk involved there. Um, but I do like him as a buy low option uh, at this point in time. Just there is that off chance he could be on a, on a team where he could do some serious damage. Yeah, I agree with that. I think for me, I, I'm, I've been hearing the talk that Keichel is still wanting or Keichel is willing to take the one year deal. He, but he wants it to be over the qualifying offer. And as we know, every five days, it's another missed start. He's at the, uh, whatever the complex is, the Boris complex. So he's apparently up to 95 pitches. And At St. Thomas More in Miami, Florida. I actually was there. We ran a basketball event there in December. Pretty cool spot. Oh, interesting. But interesting fun fact right there, guys. Yeah, everybody feel better now? Yeah. Just, Woo. Just tie. Okay. That is what that is what Cody was after. Where is the Boris facility? Yeah. <laughs> what I'd like to know, really, is <laughs> so yeah. But Keichel is supposedly ready to come in, and we all know once he signs with somebody, he's not going to just walk right in and start. There's going to be a couple. So we're talking maybe best case scenario at this point is going to be 23 starts. Um, if we're three starts in right now, and you're thinking 32 starts is a max out for a pitcher, um, you know he's going to miss maybe three, four more. So whatever, put a call at 25. I'm not sold on Keiko coming in and dominating this year. I'm definitely concerned about next year. You certainly don't think this is going to happen again, but we've seen this kind of thing happen with other players like Colorado and Mark Reynolds. They just circle back to each other. Keiko doesn't have that with Houston. Houston's moved on. Houston's got seven guys that they would rather give the ball to than Keiko. They've proved that if they took him back, it'd be because of some devastating injury. You know, the Yankees took a uh, geo, which closed the door on Keiko. Not that that would have been a great fit, but a you know, ground ball pitcher in uh, Yankee Stadium wouldn't have been the worst thing. But I'm, I'm out on Keiko. If I owned him anywhere, I'd probably be selling him for cheap. And if it hurt me later on, I'd be, I'd be happier with that than knowing that he's still looking to try to get something that he's not going to re- realistically get, which is almost a million per start. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm, uh, for this year, I'm out on Keiko, but I do like Keiko for you know, somebody like San Diego or even a Toronto, like somebody that needs some pitching over the next couple of years to get them on a mid type deal, like a four year, 16 million type deal. I, I feel like that number doesn't sound bad, but I feel like Keiko thinks to himself like four year, 90. Yeah. No, nobody That's wants just... your 91 mile an hour fastball though. Right. I, yeah. And like, just because you can throw the ball and get the guys to smack it down into the dirt today and you have a history of it doesn't mean that that's what you're going to be. We, we've seen players dissolve. Like in Toronto, we watched Marco Estrada have this dynamite changeup. And in Oakland, or well, we saw it last year when it doesn't work, it is bad. You know, when your ERA is over five, but we're, we're watching starts where he's in trouble from the first inning on. And then at, yeah, look at the end and you're like, how, how do you pitch five and two thirds? Like, you know, that's junk ball. And that's what I think Keuchel is dangerously close to. So I'm out on that. Kimbrell, I'm with you. I, I feel like Kimbrell is looking at himself as a stud. He's, this has now just become a mistake. But he'll wipe, try, try his best to wipe the slate clean for 2020. So whatever he ends up doing, I mean, I'm crossing my fingers that the Buffalo Bisons can sign him. And, uh, you know, he can work his way up at AAA. <laughs> 
for the Jays. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if the Long Island Ducks signed him because I know they sign everybody once they leave MLB and try to come back. Travis Snyder was there last year. Uh, Rich Hill has been there before. You name it, the guys have been there. Not that, you know, Travis Snyder is a well-known guy across all the land, but, um, you know, former Blue Jay, we know who, who uh, what's it, what is it? Meat lunchbox? Lunchbox, meatbox. 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 Sorry. Move on. Go on, meatbox. Yeah. <laughs> so a question uh, from Derek is, who's my future first baseman? My team's loaded. I'm in a uh, what's it? keep forever points league. I have Bellinger. I have Pete Alonso. Who do I want? Well, you want Dan Vogelback is who you want. <laughs> it sounds like a trade. Yeah. Now, I, I, like Bellinger, at least this, I mean, you know, he's an outfielder as well. So I know you could put him out there, but I think he's specifically just who is my first baseman. So of the two long-term, who do I want? I mean, Bellinger scares me. Uh, he's obviously on fire and you know, you, you want to say that it's Bellinger. Um, I, mainly because you've made me pay more attention to him. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I like Alonzo uh, as the guy, but I think to your point, I think Bellinger might be an outfielder over the long haul. So yeah. I think the answer is easy at that point, which means you're, clearly going to keep Alonzo at the one bag and then you're just going to keep Bellinger as an outfielder problem solved. Yeah. And I, for me, if you're picking one, I think, I think you're picking Bellinger because we've already seen it from him at the major league level. We've seen a 37 home run season with a lot of good numbers across the board and we've seen his sophomore season. So coming back, I mean, their age, I'm not sure exactly what the age is. I feel like they're within two years of each other. It's just, I think, I think Alonzo's 24 and, and Belly's 23. Yeah. Either way, they're young enough that it doesn't matter. Right, yeah. I mean, like perfect case scenario is you're, you're keeping both, as you said, Ty. But if, if the idea here is who's the best first baseman, um, I'm sticking with Bellinger because it's a really small sample size from Pete Alonso, as much as I love it. So the next one is a, is a player versus player. And it's, um, I hate catchers as much as you do. Who, who do you want to hate? Is that right? Yeah. Who do you want to hate less? There we are. Um, between the San Diego catching Combine. So that is, uh, who is it here? It's Hedges and your boy. Thank you. Mejia, for those who use pronunciation correctly. That's a silent J. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one's easy for me because, yeah, Mejia is a much better hitter. And regardless of, of who catches in San Diego, Mejia is going to find his way into that lineup, period. So, from fantasy perspective, it's a no-brainer. Uh, easy to hate on Hedges. Uh, I don't care what pitch framing he does or any other skill set that they want to talk about. It doesn't matter. He's not nearly the hitter that he is, and he never will be. So, for me, Hedges is the obvious hate. I'm with you. I think, yeah, I think Hedges is a um, pitcher that, I mean, even in the 20-man league, is probably sitting on somebody's bench right now. He's not somebody to look at long-term. This is something that a conversation that could have been had about Jan Gomes three years ago when he had a bit of struggle in Washington, but it's catcher. There are other guys who will come up. You can look to acquire catchers, I believe, for the lowest overall value. So if you really want to improve an area and you decide it's catcher for you, you're going to put the least out and get the most back um, within reason, of course. So yeah. that's, a, that's an easy one. Oh, here's a fun one from Adam in uh, uh, one of the Roto Leagues that I am in. And he says, 
when I said, does anybody have a question? He says, maybe an update on Ben Zobrist for your buddy, Glenn. <laughs> Friend of the show, Glenn. Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, we were pretty concerned about that one when that conversation started. <laughs> Zobrist. When I saw the question, I just loved it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, no. Well, here's the fun <laughs> thing. You take a guess at, at Zobrist batting average unless you're already looking. Yeah, I, I really don't know what it is. Yeah, it's 344. Yeah, I mean. His, his OPS is 806. But he's, we're talking 32 at bats. Yeah, yeah, it's too small of a sample. Um, yeah. You know, good for Zobrist. I mean, I don't think any of us truly hates on Zobrist. I mean, you got to yeah. respect what the guy's done over his career. Uh, he's been a model of consistency with maybe some small blips, but nothing to get too bent out of shape over. Yeah, it was, it, it was just a way too high ranking in a dynasty format. And, big time. And I appreciate that Adam remembered. Yeah, yeah, that's that's commitment. Yeah, that's a gold star for Adam. Yeah. Um, so another one here from uh, Jabronis is that uh, they they apologize because they haven't been listening as much as they want to the podcast, but they're going to circle back to catch up on the previous episodes missed. So they're curious if we could do a reshuffle to repost rankings from one position and move somebody up or down, even though it's been a short sample who at any position would we now move up into a top five or 10 overall dynasty ranking at any position? Ooh, that's a great question. I know who you should move up. Can I say start there? Sure. See how fast I got that. Oh, I wasn't geez. even waiting for you to say yeah. Didn't even see it coming. <laughs> so like you a know slider what? from Montas. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think he's a guy that, is he going to still have some strikeouts? Absolutely. Um, he's making a lot better contact this year. Like I said in previous episodes, he's he's a different hitter. And he still has lots to go. He's still very young. And all the tools are there. But I think he's starting to cast some doubt for a lot of people that traditionally haven't been on Makata. And I think you you know, pointed out uh, in a little bit of a Twitter conversation last week, um, a stat that highlights some of the things that ultimately I think are going to make him a more of an asset moving forward. Yeah. I was just commenting on a post and I apologize at the moment for not having it in front of me. Um, that's, uh, huh? It was 85. Oh, okay. Just, I, I'm just of the, um, what is it? 11 hits or something like that. The McConnell had, he, you know, yo, I know what you're, yeah. So sorry. It's the, the stat you're talking about is, how many times he struck out last year when he was caught looking <laughs> 85 times. He did yeah. not swing at strike three, which is ridiculous. And I, I had pointed this out to somebody who was saying, excuse me, the little beer burp there, um, that the biggest thing with Moncada is a swing and miss. And I said, no, that's not his biggest thing. His biggest thing is his lack of aggression to me looking at him thinking the killer instinct might not be there with Moncada because he's not willing to swing at the strike three. Not that you want somebody to strike out swinging all the time, but the fact that of the 200 plus Ks he strikeouts he had last year, over a third of them he didn't even swing at. Like to me, that's more concerning. And then when you look at his turnaround from this year, his hits have all been coming off of fastballs, which, as you've talked about, Ty, is something that a lot of rookies see early on, and then they make a change on it, and then off all the off speed and everything else, 
he had had, and this dates back to, I believe, after um, last Sunday. So that's going to put us, as my calendar is just, you know, this, it's having Thursday. a 12-year-old yeah, computer <laughs> does not help. So but dating back to April 2nd, um, that's when the stat line was from, that he had had one hit off of a, a non-fastball. So I, I totally appreciated that. And I thought, to me, that's a sign of a sell now guy, um, not somebody well, that I would be moving up in the ranks. But I had I, people who argued and said, I, I love that stat, yourself included, because you think yeah. there's a ton of room for improvement in there. So I think it's a great middle ground with that stat being exposed. That See, I see it totally different. Yeah, yeah I it's, see it's glass has full, right? Well, and the reason I see it differently, though, is because I think the organization yeah, right. <laughs> I think the organization recognized <laughs> that he did have some swing and miss tendencies. So I think there's a real element there. But when I was watching him last year, I noticed this, the watch, um, the watch strikes go by. And part of what I see there is that he's trying to understand the zone better because he grew up in a sea ball hit ball world. And now all of a sudden the quality of pitching has changed. And frankly, he got sent to the majors way too fast. So he's trying to adjust at the major league level. And I think ultimately he's just getting burnt. And, you know, that happens. And his pitch recognition is coming along. Um, I, I've seen him fouling off tough pitches so far this year. It's a very different approach. Um, like I said in the last episode, he's had a couple bad swings. But, you know, I do think that he's a guy that has moved up a lot of people's boards. And I think there's another guy playing center field in Minnesota that's done a little bit of that as well. Oh, no. But, but the question was, is there anyone that we would move inside a top five or ten that we didn't have before? Now, Mankata, you – I'm trying to remember if you had him like eight maybe? I had him up there, but not that high. Yeah, so he's your guy. He's your biggest mover as far. And, and you know what, Ty? I totally appreciate your argument on it. I, I think they're valid points. I really just, for me, I am in an absolute wait and see mode on Mankata. And I'm still laughing at the trade that I made last year for him preseason in a 2014 points league where I traded him away with a couple other guys just to like basically roster cut guys. And I got back Reynaldo Lopez. We don't need to talk about him today. Um, who's not the best, but did some good things for me last year. I got uh, Michael Kopech in that deal and some other dynamite pieces that made me feel good. And I, I think that if long-term, as you have the positive outlook, I think that's the, the right approach if you own him. And in my position a year ago, before any of this kind of you know, stuff was out there, like you just said it, you said he, he's learning a new way to play at the highest level. And it's a, it's, a, it's a kudos to you for noticing it. And it's something that other people um, like myself are, are just, too, I'm too hesitant to jump in on that right at the moment for sure. Yeah, and, and kind of shifting to another position, I think the guy that probably deserves the most highlight in that conversation um, that I can think of is is Anthony Rendon, um, a guy that I'm not super high on. I didn't have very highly ranked, but in 42 at-bats has 18 hits, four bombs, and 14 ribbies yeah. uh, with an OPS closing in on 1,400. Um, that's That's a little above his pay grade. Uh, it is a free agent year for him. So um, those of you that that hunt based on the free agent season, he's a guy that you should definitely take a look at. Um, he'd be the, the other guy that I think would move into a top five position that maybe wasn't 
there for a lot of people to start the season. Yeah, quality there. Rendon is a guy who I think everybody just thinks is older. I feel like everybody thinks Rendon's 34 and like he's hitting prime years here. So um, I, I agree. I think he's had a hell of a start to the season and I don't like to do any big jumps too early. I know the um, it's for DFS Daily Fantasy. Uh, the bat is um, a stat system that gets crapped on an awful lot when you compare it to Dynasty. So it's really hard because uh, they ranked Tatis or say, stated that Tatis would basically have like a pretty crummy rookie season if he got in. And it was Derek Hardy, I believe, who's the guy who runs that. And people were attacking him before. It was a pretty ugly thing on Twitter, um, which sounds funny. Like, you know, baseball fantasy guys getting into arguments and things. But anyway, the, the talk was basically that the bat's way off base and that all these things are silly. But it's been, um, it's been proven right over time, but it's daily daily hits that improve things and then over the course of a season. So right now, Rendon's riding high. You're going to be able to ride that high for a while with him. But I agree. Like I don't know that he's necessarily going to drop down in some significant portion so that by the end of the season, he lines up with career numbers. This is a guy who's damn good at baseball. And everybody kind of said, oh, the Nats just aren't going to be good because they lost Harper. But like they still had had Robles waiting in the wings. They had Soto break out last year. They have Adam Eaton coming back. Like that doesn't mean that Harper won't be missed. It just means that the replacement value for him in the outfield specifically can be shared amongst three guys. Yo, 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 talking money ball, baby. They're replacing Harper with these other three players. So I don't think it's a terrible thing. And yeah, like for Rendon in at third base, like Washington's going to be good. So I don't, I don't, yeah, I think that's a great call on that. Yeah, and what, what about a guy like Michael Conforto? That'd be the only other guy that I would toss into it. Um, you know, it's still a little early in this season to call him a top five guy, but I think he definitely warrants um, a mention at the, you know, the 372 clip with a 1134 OPS, a um, couple bombs. Yeah, 43 and- plate appearances. His numbers are good. Like the biggest thing for me with him is I just – I'm not seeing enough walks to say like elite. Yep. And I know he started well before too. Yep. So well, I mean, he's, he's got, you know, 30 bomb potential. Right. And that's, that's why I say it. Cause he's one of those guys that not a lot of people are going to be turned on to as a top 10 guy. Um, but definitely is worth looking at and paying attention to uh, for the future. If he can stay healthy. Yeah. And with, with um, Brendan Nimmo or Brandon Nimmo, not, returning to his form at this point in time there's no future issue from Conforto from a playing time standpoint like he will be an outfielder for the Mets that's what he's going to do um you know so be it so my guy who I would move into possibly fourth right now is somebody who I had had I think in the mid-teens for relief pitching because for some reason I like to spend so much time on relief pitching uh, and I know this disappoints you a little bit, Ty, because we're not going to sing it, uh, is Jose Alvarado. <laughs> you, just, you just missed him mouthing it, but, not, <laughs> but not, not saying it oh so loud. Um, yeah, Jose Alvarado, for me, has moved in as a top four closer for me. So that's putting him in some pretty elite company. Um, if y'all know, remember, I have Asuna at one, which was controversy enough. So, um, putting another young guy up there is something that I firmly believe in. Now, 
I don't need to get into it too bad because it's only been 6.1 innings, uh, five saves, 11 Ks, doesn't have an earned run yet. Uh, you know, and dating back to last year too, like the numbers were good last year, 64 innings, 80 Ks. His ERA was 238. He had 40 save holds. So I'm, I'm believing that Alvarado is just going to be there in Tampa long-term. So if last year was year one, that means Tampa's got five more years of control for him, which means in two years, everyone's going to forget about him if Tampa doesn't stay good. And he could be an Alex Colomay type where you can always pick him up, you know, in that second tier of closers. And he's always going to perform at the top tier. But in dynasty mode, I'd be looking to get him and I'd be paying, I'd be paying the proper market value for him. Like I will give up, probably one of my better pitching prospects depending on my system the top three five guy because um, i want that help yep no I, I agree that's a good one the only other guy sticking in tampa that i would throw out there is your boy tyler glass now is he is he ready for that leap i mean he's been pretty dang good so far is he uh, glass now half full he's he's bordering on half full i'm not ready to make him a half full guy but he's mostly half full can I want to say, say I'm there. I want to say I was an absolute doubter to start the year, and you were the one trying to say, well, I don't think it was all bad. And I was saying, no, 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 everybody just overplayed it. Everybody just said he did better than, you know, than he actually did. Because if you look at the ERA at 427, like that's high. And that was, that was last year we're talking. That was for 111 innings. And, you know, he's given up walks, and he only ended up with four quality starts and whatever. But he's come out this year, and, yeah, he's been – dynamite like he is matt shoemaker yeah well he's matt shoemaker <laughs> but he throws hard there's a little bit of a difference oh, no no that's exactly it like yeah. who, you know if you're gonna say oh it's early i you, it's easy to point you to shoemaker we discussed him in the last episode yeah the difference is Tyler glass now is on the up and matt shoemaker is out of nowhere yeah you know, well, no I mean, glasnow just has power stuff right i mean that's really what it comes down to uh 21 strikeouts in 17 innings um is is pretty powerful stuff and you know whip of 0.82 still early small sample but you know all things pointing in the right direction only one earned run given up solo home run uh only three walks over 17 innings so a lot to like about what you've seen and again i've i said it dinner during a lot of our pitching episodes power of jim hicks um most underrated pitching coach in baseball uh been watching him for years in the al east he's a wizard with these guys and this guy between him and blake snell might be the two most talented guys he's had his hands on so uh it'll be really interesting to see whether glasnow can piece it together but the early returns do look very good yeah i could definitely see end of season we're talking about it but that would to me have to work in conjunction with Blake Snell also remaining elite. And that would then prove to what you're saying about the pitching coach being able to make the change. Um, you, you need more than one guy to stand out. And Glassdale could totally be that guy. I thought you were actually going to talk about Austin Meadows. I got no way. I got Ooms uh, excited. But that's yeah. okay. We're early. We're early. We're early. <laughs> so that'll answer that question. Um, some Another one before we get to our last little bout of questions is uh, somebody that beat the absolute snot out of me in the dynasty league the 30 team eight by eight league that we play in uh tanner and his brother tyler they are twins they are both cross-eyed but they had eye surgery so it looks like they both see straight and they beat the bejeebers out of me uh i believe it was 14 and a half to one and a half last week by far my worst defeat 
in a long time in head to head. And he said, talk about how I whooped your butt on the podcast. Um, so I did it and I hate you. <laughs> I did also comment back that sure. It'll be the highlight of your season. So there you go. You've but just eat, boy. <laughs> every now and then you got to eat some crow, right? I mean, that's, that's the difference, right? You can deny it till you're dead and people will hate you for it or you eat crow. And they're like, Oh no, I got nothing on them now. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's head to head. And that's, what's going to happen sometimes is the guys who are dynamite in week one uh, were not dynamite in week two. Sometimes you can change your whole lineup and try to get ahead because you're playing a lot of leagues. And then you look back as I commented to you the other night and somehow Frankie Montas is sitting on my bench. Yep. So I lost a win in a quality start because I thought I had made the adjustment. And I didn't double check my stuff. It happens. Well, I did not expect Rowdy to hit a bomb tonight. So he's on my bench as well. Uh, in Boston in the cold, did not expect there to be a power uh, show go on there, but here we are. Uh, that's, that's fancy baseball. You win some, you lose some. Hell of a way to transition because we're now going to talk about, uh, I don't want to call him friend of the show. I feel like he's the nemesis of the show, Ronnie. And I play in a roto league with Ronnie. And the reason there's a connection with Telez is that I picked him up off waivers, I think in this league, <laughs> the fun part about being in so many leagues. Um, and yeah, his bomb is going to help me. So he says, question for the pod. When are you going to give actual useful fantasy advice? <laughs> um, well, for, for Roto, never. That will never, <laughs> ever happen. Ever. For Roto, and, I don't think you can give useful fantasy advice. You just wait till the end of the season and you check the stats. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love using the paint drying reference. So our fancy advice for you is to go down to Home Depot, get yourself a can of eggshell uh, white. Just go grab it. Just slap it on a two by four and just watch it. Like the matte finish, uh, semi-gloss, gloss. What's your recommendation here? Uh, it really depends on the setting. Like if you're indoors, go for semi-gloss. Give yourself like a little bit of flair. But and you can you wash it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If, but if you're going outside, um, you know, have a little fun. Just dive into that matte finish. Ooh, ooh. No reflection from the sun on yeah, that guy. Put on some slow beats and just matte. <laughs> I, b I believe his actual question is, why is it that we all hate Roto? And I believe he's talking about everybody in fantasy. Why, why does all of fantasy baseball hate Roto? Because it's no, exactly what I just said. It's exactly yeah. what I just said, though. Paint dry. You sit no. there and you wait. Yeah, exactly. Right? The reason that neither of us are huge fans of Roto is, is the fact that we really enjoy the um, happenings that can go on within a week. Now, I know, I, I understand that with Roto, I'm moving my lineups daily. I'm setting the best team I can out there, but I'm just counting stats until the end in September. And I understand the whole, you know, uh, do you want one cookie now or two later scenario if you, you know, if you wait, but that's not how Roto is. Roto is just like, you wait, you wait, you wait, you wait, you wait. And, and as it's been mentioned before, even in, in leagues I'm playing in right now, they're trying to make sure everybody retains the team and doesn't blow it up and doesn't do this, doesn't do that. Well, that's what happens in Roto's guys are like, ah, I don't think I'm going to win because I'm out in four categories. So, yeah, well, and I just posted really quickly in our home league. Um, if you want to pop that up, you'll understand exactly why Roto is not fun because this kind of dialogue can't happen uh, within Roto because you just have to it's set and forget <laughs> it. <laughs> and Ty has posted, you guys all suck at fantasy baseball. That is all. 
all right, cool. Well, I'll wait till the end of the pod to reply to that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but it's just stirring the pot. You can't do that in Roto. And that's, that's what takes the fun out of it for me. Like, I love the stats. I love diving in, but I love going head to head and beating people on a daily and weekly basis. That, like for me to beat somebody in a season is far less enjoyable. Definitely. And I think the social aspect of head to head is something that a lot of people enjoy. Whereas when you get into uh, Roto, like, I mean, the Roto league that we're in, there's, there's definitely chat and chatter and stuff, but people are uh, holding values at different rates and things just because of the way the league is like a hot player doesn't do much for you in Roto. If you're positive, they don't have long-term uh, implications on your roster. Whereas head to head, they can help you out for a few weeks or at the trade deadline, you can really make a push. And that can be the difference between um, playoffs in or playoffs out. Ty, you're busting up on the other side. What? what is there's going already on? like already banter coming back, and that's what makes it great. Uh, there's already, we got a GIF, and we already got a quote that says, "You know, I'm bored and want attention." Mean meaning me, right? So there's no context <laughs> to what's happening on our side to them, but it's funny being on this side of it and watching them interpret what they think is happening. So, um, it's pretty good, but that's the point, right? It's it, this is fun, and it's a lot of our friends, so. You know, we can really go after their feelings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go after their feelings. Yeah. And that's really the great part that it brings. So, um, you know, as much as the 30 teamers fun, uh, I don't know those guys as well uh, yet, but as soon as we know about their feelings, then we can start going after them a little bit more. Uh, Definitely. And, and a few of the guys, like I think half of the league in the points league that we're in together, the 30 team points league, we all came from another league where we had a fairly psychotic commissioner and we've all bonded based on that because, you know, he kicked me out of the group chat and told me I wasn't coming back to the league and then let me back in. And all sorts of things happened that kind of brought us together as a group to trust each other a little bit more. And it allows us to like, you know, kind of come at each other and uh, rib each other. And then there are all, always going to be those snowflakes in the crowd. So you just have to do your best to not upset more people and you're comfortable with, which for me, I really don't mind upsetting everybody. Um, it's fun. And I was going to say, I go right after the snowflakes. Yeah. I could look at it as a, as a way of, you know, bonding and building overall. Now our last question on this um, is coming from somebody that I play in an auction league with. And uh, he says, will you please let me uh, on the pod? And this is a gentleman who has claimed to want to be a scout for a baseball team and gone to the Dominican and done scouting and things like this. And, um, it's not a question that we are going to answer with a yes, you're welcome. Uh, it's why do you think you're worthy of dingers? Yeah. yeah. Do you care about people's feelings? Are you funny? Do you make bold predictions? Do you say dumb shit? He's said inappropriate things in the group chat, um, but not like haha funny. Like this guy talks like he's fresh off a boat. And I don't mean an out of country boat. I mean like a sailor. Um, comments that are inappropriate. So, <laughs> and he's also the co-GM of a team. And in our league, this is a league where if you paid $12.50 for Max Muncy, you owe $12.50 for him in, like from the auction. It's real money. Um, and he was part of the crew that kept throwing up prospects and getting them to be on 25-man rosters. So he paid $15.75 for Fernando Tatis Jr., and you're thinking to yourself, oh, geez, that seemed like a pretty good deal. Well, he also spent $15 on Nick Senzel. And you know who else is taking up a roster spot on his 25-man roster? Carter Keeboom. 
Uh, and he also has $8.50 on Joe Adele. So there are, there are reasons why I'm not sold on him yet. Um, but he, he really kind of went for it. I, I give him some credit for some of the moves that he made. And their team salary is $220. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, which is pretty good, uh, pretty heavy. And he got the steal of the draft, which was he paid $15 for Kershaw when a lot of people weren't sure what was going on with Kershaw. But the worst movie he made is he has Trevor Rosenthal, who we paid $3 for. And paying 50 cents for Trevor Rosenthal was a bad idea. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't really know him that well, so I'm not really going to go after his feelings just yet. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of good check marks there. So no, He has no bench in this league. <laughs> well, Ty. He does own Ben Zobrist. <laughs> Straight to the top. <laughs> so maybe, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think there's room for improvement. Let's, let's give him a task and see if he can accomplish it. And if he, yeah. it, he can, he can receive a guest appearance on the show. Yeah. I would say like win your division. Um, his, his name is D as far as I know, because that's all it says if I click on it. So, we can't help you any further along here, uh, D, without showing that you're in it. And, and your record is just as crummy as mine is in this league. This is a league where we play 162 games. So every three days, so the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you match up against four different teams. And then Monday through Thursday, you match up against four different teams. I'm about to go 4-0 to move my record to 6-10. and So she's been a rough start. But, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on the upswing here. So uh, that, that empties out the melee bag this oh he just it sounded like he said melee uh instead of mail maybe it's may day yeah. we're up for a new name if anybody wants to hit us at dingers pod not for the podcast for the melee bag if you can beat that out i won't have to say it again yeah until then it remains melee bag and it's terrible and i'm willing to admit that we would be happy to have a better name but if it doesn't it also becomes awesome uh, over time, so melee bag until otherwise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I I do have one real good question for you, Rob. If you could remove one player, Aided. oh sorry, what was it? If you could remove <laughs> one player from any roster uh, that at the beginning of the season you were super excited to own, who would that be? <laughs> I was never super excited to own Chris no, no, Davis. You have to be super excited. I know, but I'm just stating that I own Chris Davis in a league, and <laughs> I was never super excited to own him. Uh, super excited. Jeez, this is the problem with uh, like Mondesi's been fine. I'm not gonna. Oh, cheapers creepers! Like Garrett Hampson, I wasn't super excited to own him where I did. I mean, it's really early. DD and Hicks haven't played. Uh, 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 who has been the, the biggest pile of garbage. I'm going to have to look into one of the 30-teamers. I apologize for the delay here, people, but when you play in as many leagues as Big Daddy here, sometimes you gotta <laughs> you got to search through. Um, I, I definitely thought David Price was going to be better, so I would say at this moment, David Price, I have him in the Ronnie Roto. Um, he's hurting my feelings. Uh, okay, yeah, Trevor Story. Yeah. yeah. The OPS is good, 794. Like, that's fine. But but the average has sunk back down. It's at 209 today. Um, you know, he's he's doing his thing. Like, he's got five walks, 13 Ks. 
Uh, I'm just, you know, not seeing everything. No solo bases. That's the big thing. So yeah, I'll say story has been my disappointment. Yeah, I, I, it's a really tough one to fill a question for um, because, you know, you you get excited about these guys and then you don't want to admit that you, you, you pooched it, right? So easy to say. Um, you got any questions you want to fire my way before we wrap up here? Um, in our 14-team league, uh, you have Julio Urias. I would like him, please. I have Jeff Samarja. You will never have. Julio Reyes, just as as two guys that both really like Julio Reyes, like how ridiculous was it that I got chirped for keeping him in that pool? Oh, it was, but but I think the difference was that it was realistically, it was a matter of how early would I jump on him and take him because I don't think anybody else would have jumped up and taken him in the first five rounds unless yeah. they somehow read something somewhere. Um, but like I think I think there were worse keepers, and the good part is that. He started the year playing yeah. for the Dodgers instead of a AAA, so I think everything's been quieted down from that. But yeah, I mean, I, I've kept uh, some pretty bad keepers over the years, trying to find diamonds in the rough. And at least the guy you have is like keeping Reyes was by no stretch like that would have been one of my best keepers in previous years. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I'm I'm loving. I just pulled up the fortune teamer as you asked the question, yeah. and I'm playing my brother this week, which is always a fun one for me. Yeah, I saw. And that. I just looked at his starters today: uh, Walker Bueller, eleven point two five ERA in four <laughs> innings, and Kevin Gosman, six point three five and five point two, which is phenomenal because I had Reynaldo Lopez who got torched yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I'm rocking a very clean eight point zero three right now. Um, it was for the first time in the history of this pool, I had a 10.0 ERA last night. Woof. I've never had that before. So that, that was a new experience for me. I didn't know what to do with that, but, um, you know, luckily Jay is lighting his team on fire to finish up here. Uh, and I have a good chance of squeaking this one out. Well, we should do just, just because somebody asked me before about this league specifically, why did we cap it at? 40 moves um, just to see who is the highest, who has made the most moves so far. Um, obvious answer is going to be Glenn here. So Glenn, we are now in week two because we had the uh, elongated week one. So Glenn has now made 12, move, 12 moves um, in that. And you are not too far behind, but you are not second. Uh, second is big DL who, <laughs> um, has made nine moves in our league. So guys are, are shuffling rosters around uh, like loose chicklets. So things are, things are on the move here. And I'm taking on DeGrom Nom Nom, which is a name that I like. It's Chad, the defending champion. And uh, he's got smoke in the lineup who, as you talked about, has hit a dong tonight. And, oh, story. So there. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, sometimes things work out, right? He's got Bundy, Godley, and Matt's going tonight. Oh, Bundy, nice, 10.80 ERA. All right, enough talking about the one night. <laughs> yeah, so you know what? It's it's just, it, it, you know, it's an interesting scenario with Urias, though. I, I I like him a lot. The thing that's going to be interesting is he they want to move him to the bullpen. Um, I don't think there's anything worse for a young kid with an elbow problem uh, or an arm problem or whatever he had. Uh, it was elbow, right? He had Tommy John, yes? Uh, sh uh, the shoulder 
outlets. Oh yeah, 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 right. So there's nothing worse than for a young kid with an arm or shoulder problem than to bouncing back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. So that is my only Urias concern uh, is what they're going to do with that. But um, you know, I think that's that's one that you they, to answer your question, you will never ever get him from me uh, unless you want to include. Well, if you keep Guerrero Jr. Yeah, you did send me an offer that I. It was a pretty good offer, but I also understand why you turned it down. Yeah, it was Urias and Bogarts for Vlad and Strasburg, maybe something like uh, that. No, um, whatever it was, it was reasonable if yeah, you were me with Vlad. Like I've been waiting on Vlad since 2017. Immediately after our draft, um, I traded him for Travis Shaw. I mentioned that before. It was Montas. Oh. It was a pretty reasonable oh, trade. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It so, was a pretty reasonable trade. Yeah, definitely a fine offer, uh, but nothing that I was going to consider at this moment because we just don't know exactly how much of the game Vlad is going to change. It's very much like Otani. If if Yahoo could get their themselves together and just make Otani one player, um, he would become far more valuable. And I have him sitting on my uh, DL or my bench. I don't know. I've got somebody injured. Yeah, he's a well, yeah, because Yahoo's DL still. For some reason, they don't care. While they're out there uh, smoking in the office, uh, putting players on the DL and doing whatever, <laughs> whatever old school things. Well, uh, I mean, if Vladdy, if they ever pump a category for uh, like, like thigh girth, um, <laughs> you know, Vladdy is going to go straight, yeah, straight to the top. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that kind of wraps up the first episode of the melee bag. Before we drag the melee bag through the mud any further, uh, <laughs> we can wrap it up there, and we'll see you next time on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.